The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do gooders with interviews, music, and documentaries. You're listening to the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X Ray FM, brought to you by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. Learn more online at mediamakingchange.org. On this episode of the Nonprofit Happy Hour, we delve into the fascinating origins and projects of music-focused nonprofit Big Mouth Society. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to the Artistic Director of Big Mouth Society, Emily Lau. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks now, for having me. Big, big Mouth Society is somewhat new. Um, so it's a community-supported collective of musicians that brings unique and thought-provoking projects to a diverse audience. So let's, let's, let's start with what thoughts are you hoping to provoke? Mm, okay. Well, you know, we... At this moment, I feel like we're we're standing at a point where people are really divided, and there's not a lot of safe and interesting third spaces. You know, think about: Have you heard of this new book recently called uh, "Bowling Alone"? And it, it really talks about the, the 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 diminishing third space where people can go, where they're just having a good time, doing something beautiful, doing something constructive. Maybe it's bowling, maybe it's singing, but that they're not talking about politics necessarily. And, and a lot of these ideal in society get expressed in the process instead, where people get to work together, they spend time building things, you know? And, and so that's, that's one big point of that. Some, the, the, the thought we want to provoke is there are many ways to roam. And we believe that the way we want to lead to a better society and, and have a better community is to honestly, uh, show these values through a process what, uh, instead of just talking about these values. Yeah, Bowling Alone is a great book. It's, it's, it, it, it's very uh, instructive about how uh, we've stopped uh, various groups. Uh, we've stopped gathering. We've stopped knowing our neighbors and what's that, what that has done to the civic fabric. Um, perhaps, yep. perhaps your book should be called Singing Together. Singing, playing, hanging out, eating sandwiches, all of those, you know, it's not just singing, you know, singing is one of the things and I sometimes even say like we do make really beautiful music and program but the, the, almost those are just incidental and serves as a momentum of our uh, momento of our relationships, you know, instead of a thing that we, we uh, work through a violent pr- process to present to our audience for money you know <laughs> so I, I i need to ask the requisite so uh big mouth society started five years ago half of that has been during the pandemic which which <sighs> is uh extra challenging for what you uh what the what the organization is hoping to do so how did you adjust uh, and and what do you bring forward from how you responded to that to the pandemic and to the isolation? Thanks for asking that. The pandemic was very difficult for us, but at the same time, I was 
very surprised by how we actually carry through. So at the beginning of the pandemics, we immediately changed our entire situation. We gave up our physical location, our, uh, our uh, practice rehearsal studio immediately within a week. And, um, and then we moved all our programming online, but instead of online, like online on demand, we met every Tuesday. Uh, as a salon that welcomes people from all around the world to to hang out with us where we make music and then we then I I mean I then um, came up with a program that I thought would be number one more practical to rehearse online and then also is uplifting and quote easy for our membership to be able to continue making music with each other. We actually did it. So we rehearsed that program online for almost two years. <laughs> and, um, and when we could meet, you know, double masking a shield and six feet away from each other before vaccination was possible, we did that in the winter outside. So what's very interesting, oh, oh and another, another one is, a lot of people would sometimes complain that we don't have, uh, to, to each other in, in the world that they don't have enough time as adult to sharpen their skills. For example, if they wanna take lessons and classes about history or diction, you know, they didn't have that chance. So we actually um, hired many professional artists to teach classes. And the point of that is put some money into professional artists pocket during a very difficult time. And also like, raise the skill of everyone. So surprisingly, uh, we we came out of the pandemic with a much tighter membership. People are much closer to each other and no one takes this space for granted anymore. And, and I, I can't say that I wasn't surprised. And so, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about, so this, this collective of musicians. Uh, who are they? How are they finding you? Uh, is this everybody welcome? Or at a certain point, do you have to cap it at 20, 25 people? I mean, how does that work? Um, so first to know how it works, you have to know how most regular ensembles work. Most regular ensemble have <clears throat> um, the artistic director might have an artistic direction of how it needs to go. And then you find different people to put in those roles. And I found that to be the most complicated and difficult thing um, because you're not really seeing people as people, you're, you're seeing people more as functional cogs in the wheel. And, and the way that we have been recruiting has been a little bit more organic. So a lot of people originally came because they were my students in some one capacity or the other, or they have attended some concerts or events where they really moved by the process. That's another common one and they came or their uh, friends or family told them there's a space that I think you would fit. And what's really interesting out of that is we have a really diverse, naturally organically diverse uh, population with people um, really with different, really good gender racial, really interesting um, educational and occupational range, not just, you know, one type of people and also people with different um, social, economical class, and and color, national origin, so and and sexual uh, orientation, and I find that very interesting and wonderful. And together we do programs that's a little bit more unusual, really depending on who I have. So every every uh, program I'm looking around, looking at what it is that we 
have, who it is that we have, and then design something that everyone can shine in. Yeah, you talk about, or the, I should say, the, the organization, uh, the website talks about, uh, quote, proud to be one of the most diverse collectives of artists in Portland. And he started to talk about that, but I want you to underscore, if you don't mind, how you measure diversity and then mm. what, what that brings, both in terms of any challenges that that brings, uh, but also in terms of what rewards it brings. Mm -hmm. um, we, dive, we measure diversity in, I think, more ways than the traditional, you know, um, race, ethnicity, uh, let me think, maybe even sexual orientation. I think right now that's the zeitgeist, that, that is diversity. And I, I, I think there's much more than that. How about lifestyle? How about age? You know, educational background? And what makes the collective interesting, I think, is that we, we, we build so organically, so, these, so people's, people's um, opinions and the way they share it it's a little bit more diverse, like I said. So that that's how we, we talk about this a lot on the board. We talk about that with our membership a lot. And <clears throat> we don't encourage or discourage people to be one way or another. They're very much themselves. If, um, if someone wants, uh, if a male presenting person wants to perform in a dress, that is beautiful. What I care about is that it's a dress, good looking. And, and if, uh, if a person wants to do music of other culture or their own culture, you know, they always have a place to <clears throat> talk to me because I think at the end of the day, this is what I would say as a person who was born and raised in Hong Kong and England and the US and travel many places and is complicated in terms of like, what is my cultural heritage, right? Uh, I believe that culture is a gift that we give to the world. Culture is not something that I own. I don't own a culture. So our job as artists is to bring it to the world with joy and respect and like a deep level of understanding. And then the more that we can share, the better. So, so uh, we're gonna take a music break in a little bit, but I wanna talk one more question before we get there. Is this more about the producers or more about the audience? So meaning, where is the emphasis? Is it on the creating the art or presenting art to an audience? I would say that the number one most important thing are the people making the arts. I believe that the art is there to change, change the artists. And in so doing, it also become interesting and changes the audience. So uh, Emily Lau is the artistic director for Big Mouth Society. Um, why don't you, let, let's see, we've been talking about things, but how about we just listen for a second? Do you want to set up a song that you have and, and let's, let's hear what some of the, that product is? Good, yes. Uh, tell me a little bit about the song and then we'll play it. So the piece is called Even After All the Time. And it's a piece I wrote as a part of a couple of larger works that we actually performed at the inaugural party at the Holocene when um, Big Mouth Open was started. And the poem was inspired by uh, Persian poet Hafiz. It's a famous one. Many people have heard. I'm going to tell you the words. Even after all the time, the sun never said 
you owe me. Look, with a love like that, it lightens up the sky. Let's take a listen. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Happy Hour on X-Ray FM. I'm talking to Emily Lau, who is Artistic Director for Big Mouth Society, a community sport collective of musicians, uh, diverse, bringing unique, thought-provoking projects. Um, let's take a step back and let's talk a little bit about you. As you, you mentioned a little bit, uh, you have, did you say a, a complicated uh, uh, um History. Um, do you mind? I, I did look at one of the articles about your background and, and how you landed in Portland uh, and how that speaks about importance of place. Do you mind just talking a little bit about your travels here and then and then what <laughs> what Portland uh, means to you? Sure, sure. How little would you like to know or how much? <laughs> well, let's start with so you you left. Uh, let's start with the shipwreck. Ah. Okay, the shipwrecked. So around 12 years ago now, is it so? I don't even know. 10 years ago, around 10 years ago, I was uh, on board the Costa Concordia, which is a uh, cruise ship where I spent my honeymoon on. It was on the coast of Italy. 
and uh, lo and behold, it sank into the sea. Um, 32 people died, I believe, and myself and my relatives and my husband were some of the very last people who um, got rescued. And um, in the process of suffering from really severe PTSD and also really the first life and death experience in my life, you know, we were sitting on the hull of the ship screaming for a rescue for hours. Um, I have like had some, some really big insight about life. So at that point I was living a, uh, competitive musician lifestyle in Boston. And I just finished graduate school not very long ago. And I was really quite successful for a young person. I was touring the world. I was um, performing with all of these leading ensembles. And I just started the Broken Consort, which eventually became the resident professional ensemble of Big Mouth. But at that time, I did not feel peace because everything was sort of fueled by the, the, the need to be like others, the need to uh, kind of fit into this very competitive, stressful uh, industry. And the what and the why of why I'm even in music in the first place, you know, start to fade away. And the process of this escape and this recovering from the shipwreck was a, a long journey of discovery that I want my art and my music to be about bringing people together, about love, about hope, and not about fear, not about just being afraid of losing things or afraid of being judged. And, and that really changed direction. So a few years after that, we moved to Portland, Oregon, because we believe that that's a more friendly and a more hopeful place to be. Boston is dangerous for a person like me because it's very easy for me to just get another PhD for no good reason if I stayed in Boston. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's, re it's really interesting that, I mean, you, you obviously have had both a, an emotional, spiritual, but also then geographic journey. Yeah. And they, they seem to be really wrapped in together. Um, I mean, on, on, you know, I, I think that all one needs to do is go to Boston for, for 10 minutes and be in, in rush hour and, and realize the difference between the two cities uh, in terms of competitiveness, um, <laughs> you know, but, but it, it's, it's uh, in terms of how you've situated that within the creation of art is, is really fascinating. And, and in some ways you've, you've codified this little bit. You have the, the Lao method, um, mm -hmm. that's your last name, L-A-U method mm -hmm. uh, and you have a whole artist statement on your website can you just I, you, you're starting to distill some of that essence but do you mind sharing that a little bit uh you know a, a little bit finer point on some of those those ideas you were starting to talk about it not at all the Lao method i started thinking about that after the shipwreck and um it was not called the Lao method because i'm not an egomaniac um <laughs> and it is through many years of collaborating with my professional group that I realized if we share space, we live together, we eat together, and then we do daily, very intentional, uh, expressive art, movement, meditation 
together for hours, the relationship and also the artistic product becomes very different. And um, different because we all know each other in a, on a cellular level. You, you, when you cook with someone, when you live with them, it's very different. You know, you can't really hide your corners anymore. So you have to learn to live with that. And, um, and then to have this deep understanding of what it is that we want to talk about. So a lot of time with the Broken Concert projects, um, either that we completely come up with a, a program together, by just using these exercises to, to, to fish out really what is going on in our own heart. Or we have some predetermined boxes that is actually relatively empty. And then we will come in and fill it out with our own materials. But you can imagine that that requires both virtuosity and really good communication and working skills. So at the beginning, it was good already, but I wasn't skillful, you know, I was like 27 years old. Um, I wasn't as skillful, I wasn't as um, sure. And over the next decade, um, through every single residency, it became more and more clear how this path looks like and what is the stress point of the process and, and how, what, what is my role in facilitating all of these different projects. And then when it became clear to me that this really works. Then I experimented many aspects of that with my collective in Portland. It's not possible for us to live together, you know, because it's a bunch of 25, six people. Uh, but I bring a lot of those exercises to build community into, you know, into Big Mouth, the, the larger roster. And then I noticed that friendships blossomed, people feel much more understood and seen and are able to collaborate in a much more skillful way. And then I, I realized like, wow, like this is needed in the world because when we love to talk about collaboration, we love to talk about community, it is not something that we learn in school. How, how do we communicate? What are the skills in which we need to resolve difficult conflicts? And, and um, so, my method and my process to address these things. So bringing, that, bringing us to today, I, we just, Big Mouth and I just launched this ginormous project called the Common Opus, which is the experiment to see if this method that worked for 10 people, for 30 people, could also work for 120 people in Oregon and use this method to um, maybe bring more bring more people, even ordinary citizens who don't have access to an artistic process and don't have access to these collaborative skills to, to bring themselves to the table and create a beautiful piece of art. So that's what the Common Opus is. And how do, how do people learn more about the Common Opus? We have just about a minute left here. And if people want to either be involved <laughs> or to see what the outcome is, uh, how can people find out about that? Okay, number one, you do not need to have any experience in the arts. All you have to do is to show up to one of the um, nine uh, free of charge community workshops. You just have to attend a four hour workshop where you feel fantastic. And you can find it at www.big-mouth.org. And then you will find the common opus everywhere. 
and th and this is for people to show up. Uh, chamber sing. Uh, nope. Mm -mm, they will show up and then the rest will take care of itself. I promise you, you will make, you might move, you might talk, you might play games, but maybe think of it as you will have a chance to be a child again and go to kindergarten and hang out with new friends. And then in the process, somehow you'll make a new piece of art. And of course, we'll tell you how. But right now, you know, I think talking about very abstract things that you have not experienced is very difficult. But hey, Phil, you should come. Really, you should come and play and tell me what you think. We just had four workshops completed and um, I am blown away by what we were able to accomplish. Just it is, blown away. It is, it is intriguing and mysterious and wonderful. Uh, the Common <laughs> Opus is a uh, ongoing current project with Big Mouth Society. Emily Lau is the artistic director. Thank you so much for talking with us and for sharing um, insights to your journey and into the, the current projects. It was really, it's, it's fascinating and wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. It was very fun. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is made possible by Beneficial State Bank, a certified B Corps, that holds to what it calls a triple bottom line of social justice, environmental well-being, and economic sustainability. If your organization or business is interested in underwriting our show, please email phil at mediamakingchange.org. The Nonprofit Happy Hour is a production of the Media Institute for Social Change and KXRY Radio, X-Ray FM. Our host is Phil Bussey. Our executive producer and editor is me, Carly Meisberger. Archives of past shows can be found on our SoundCloud page. Questions, comments, or ideas about the show can be sent to info at mediamakingchange.org. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs>